Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. reach the high fashion hotline hi my family's going to a concert in the park and we want our style to be the main attraction rock over to old navy old navy yep right now get up to 50 percent off jeans from 15 bucks for adults 10 bucks for kids at old navy and old navy.com up to 50 percent off jeans for the family that's music to my ears plus now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online pick up in store it's fun fast and free styles that take center stage and free pickup in store when i buy online old navy here we come high fashion old navy about 720 to 729 select styles only Hey, we just gotta keep pounding, you know. Just keep pounding. Gotta keep pounding. Joe's a big fan of keep pounding these days. Keep on pounding. You never want to stop pounding. You might want to revise that statement. It comes across a little more. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> never stop pounding, kids. You heard it here first. <laughs> Guys being dudes. What is better than this? It's Guys Being Dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, and welcome to another Monday episode of The Dudes. I am Kyle Krabs with my co-host Joe Marino, and we are here to break down all that was in the world of football this past weekend. So, I mean, we have rookie reports, we have college football impact on the Heisman race, and and draft prospect statuses, and uh, a whole bunch of going on. Joe, welcome to a Monday show. How are we feeling after another weekend of football? You know, we're getting close. We're in November now, so we, we got to cherish every one of these that we get. Yeah, yeah, the full slates are, are disappearing. We've only got one more, right? So this weekend, when, and it's kind of split up with a bunch of games on Friday and some on Saturday, and then, you know, we got our championship weekend, but these Saturdays where there's like 50 college football games are basically no more. So it's it's been a fun season, and, and we still got a lot of uh, defining moments here to come. So I'm uh, not going not gonna to cry yet. No, but we are, we are inching ever so close to the edge. So, Joe, 
speaking of inching ever so close, 156 days away from the 2018 NFL Draft. Uh, do you, as this is your niche, I don't want to impose on your territory here, <laughs> uh, do you have any relevant numbers, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, regarding 156? Oh, oh you better believe I do. Uh, that was the amount of interceptions Nate Peterman threw. Uh, Ooh. Oh, Ooh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> too bad we weren't five days away, huh? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Could have used it. Put hey, stash yeah. it away. I figured you know, let's just get it out of the way. You know, look, it, take the L, Nate Peterman. You sucked, and um, I beat you to the punch that way. I got ahead of it. You know what I mean? I figured it was coming. So I took my chance right there, and we don't have to talk about it again. Um, no, yeah, 156. Let's. This is actually good. A good stat. 156 is the record for most 25 plus yard touchdown passes in a career, and that was done by Peyton Manning, former Broncos and Colts quarterback. So nobody in the NFL has thrown more 25 yard touchdown passes than Peyton Manning, and he did it 156 times. That is a very high number of long touchdown passes. He's got a couple of them in his career at this point. Um, yeah, so, so Joe, I guess my question for you, where is Peyton on your pantheon of all-time greats? Um, you know, it's Tom Brady's number one for me. Uh, um, as, as hard as that is for us to both admit, I... I'm totally yeah. there with you. Where like you just can't gloss over it anymore. Like it's it's guys won five Super Bowls and 17 years of dominance. It's pretty much been one hell of a ride, Tom. It's time to hang him up, brother. <laughs> yeah, as he torched the Oakland Raiders on on Sunday, he's just not getting worse, Kyle. It's no. not happening. No. Uh, you know, yeah. So I think he's I think he's in the top three or five. I guess you start thinking about like. You know, Joe Montana, Steve Young, uh, you know, even uh, Brett Favre in that conversation. But um, he's not number one. Number one's Tom Brady. See, I'm, I'm interested to hear you say Steve Young. Steve's, mm-hmm. Steve's reign was short. It was very bright, but it was short. Is, is not part of the, the legacy and a continued stretch of dominance? Yeah, so that's, I mean, he's probably in the lower part of that top five, but I think he's got, like, the sixth highest rated passer seasons ever. Like, the just remarkable type of stuff, what he was able to do. Um, I have a lot of respect for him. I I, I mean, I, he's probably in the top five. I'm not sure he's two, three, or four, though. Here's a fun fact for you. I was there when Steve got inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. And he was the second best quarterback on the, on the stage that night giving oh. an entrance speech. Does does that other quarterback have a last name that I might be familiar with? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I am. I feel very lucky. I want to thank my father for, you know, talking me into going out there and missing the first day of two days when I was in high school to go see Dan Marino and Steve Young get inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's one of the most memorable football experiences I had my entire life. Wow, that's a cool one. That's one I didn't know about. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. Learn it. Learn it about your craps. Yeah, you know, it's we gotta have a relationship with the listeners, so we gotta have a transparency about us. Yeah. So kind of like it. Let's uh let's be transparent about some of these, these rookies in the NFL. 
and how they're playing. We have three guys that we want to showcase um, that just balled out this weekend. One of which, good friend of the dudes, a draft mm-hmm. dude himself. Uh, Alvin Kamara went up over 100 yards in scrimmage for at least the third straight week. Uh, had the game-tying touchdown two-point conversion in the Saints' improbable comeback against the Washington Redskins. I think I read at one point, uh, about halfway through the fourth quarter, the Redskins had a 99.7% chance of winning this game. And they lost this game, 34-31 in (laughs) overtime. Uh, Much on the efforts of Alvin Kamara, who only had 14 touches, 8 carries and 6 receptions, Big touchdown catch that was kind of tipped up in the air, and you know Alvin kind of gathers it and, and runs it in after some contact for for yet another touchdown. Um, Joe, I think this is something that we we talked about quite a bit. Like the first month of the season can kind of lie to you, right? Yep. And you're seeing Alvin really kind of take over as being one of the dominant dual threat young players in the NFL right now, and that's really cool to see. Yeah, he he was underutilized early in the year. The Saints started 0-2. They couldn't figure out to do what to do with Ingram, Peterson, and uh, and Kamara. And so, you know, moving on from Peterson really opened the door for for Kamara to emerge. And and the the player that got us excited at Tennessee is the player the Saints have right now. And uh, he, he's so smooth. He's so balanced. He has such a natural feel for running the football, which is something we picked up when we had him on the show uh, back sometime i guess march april last year and you you got a really good feel for you know his mental checklist of of how he approaches the snap and you can tell he's just a really nuanced football player that's physically gifted and mentally gifted and you know his role in this sean payton offense uh and the 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 duo that he he forms with mark ingram is a special combination and this saint's draft class is the gift that keeps giving and you know the production that they're getting from him and ryan ramchak and uh and marshawn Lattimore, and you know even alex anzalone was starting before he was unfortunately again out for the season i mean this is one of those these draft classes for them that's kind of revitalized this football team after kind of having several middling seasons in a row uh all of a sudden they're eight and two and, and right in the thick of being the number one seed in the NFC, you know, top two seed playing for a bye. And you know, if you get the, you get opponents coming to new Orleans and they're not having to go to any cold weather towns, uh, Drew Brees is dynamite in the Mercedes Benz, uh, Superdome. So, uh, saints are playing some good ball, man, eight in a row. And, and Alvin Kamara is a big part of that. Yeah. He's up over 900 yards from scrimmage in 10 games. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. 459 rushing yards, 447 receiving yards, on about a hundred and, I guess a hundred and thirty touches, and seven well, touchdowns. I think less than that. Yeah, and less than that. Seventy-two actually. carries and forty-eight receptions. Oh, I'm not a math guy, but yeah, that's oh, close to that. Okay. Yeah, yep. come on now. <laughs> one twenty. How's that? Yeah. One twenty. I said yeah. I rounded up. Okay. All right. Um, so yeah, one twenty touches, nine hundred and six yards from scrimmage, and seven touchdowns through ten games for Kamara. He's been outstanding. Um, the next guy that we want to talk a little bit about, Joe, is a guy that both of us really liked in the pre-draft process, and that's Buda Baker. Safety from uh, Washington gets his first start for the Cardinals against the Texans, and lo and behold, it turns out he's actually pretty good. He should have been uh, getting starts a little sooner with 13 tackles, a sack, a force, two forced fumbles, and a fumble recovery on the day. 
Um, Joe, this this was really nice to see, and they played him, I thought, in the right spots. Like they they're he was very active all over the field. It was something that was pretty apparent watching his tape at Washington that he can impact the game in a lot of different ways. And this felt like the first time they really put it all on his plate. And Arizona traditionally is a franchise that that doesn't put too much on a rookie's plate. But it paid dividends for him, uh, even though the Houston ended up winning this game 31-21. Buda played a tremendous football game. Yeah, you know, another player that I want to throw in here to the fray of, of this conversation, I got a chance to, to catch the Vikings and Rams uh, game on Sunday and had post-game responsibility for FanRag Sports. And, man, the, the season that offensive lineman Pat Elfline is putting together mm. is is outstanding. And I know that's a player. It's a, you know, look, you were higher. It's funny because I was super <laughs> high on him over the summer. Right. And then you kind of gave me some grief about it. And then you wind up putting him, like, first-round grade, uh, somewhere in the top twenty on your yeah, board. He was, if I'm not he was like fifteen on my draft. Fifteen board. on your board, and that like outpaced me. I thought I liked Pat Elfline, and then and then you 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 uh, certainly came in and swooped in and said, uh, "No, I'm going to stand a little higher on that table than you are." But uh, man, this uh, this Vikings team, you know, with the loss of Dalvin Cook and still being able to produce like they are, and having Case Keenum as their quarterback in place of you know, Sam Bradford and, and, you know, Ted holding off Teddy Bridgewater from coming in. Uh, it's really about this offensive line. And it's a unit that's taken a lot of criticism over the last, I don't know, five years or so for not being able to get things right. But this interior three that they have, and it's really anchored by Pat Elfline, created a lot of space against this Rams uh, defensive front. They actually rushed for 171 yards, five yards per carry, two touchdowns against this, uh, this Rams defense that has been pretty, pretty tight. Now they don't, traditionally play good against the run but they've kept points off the board they actually had a better scoring defense than minnesota entering this game but uh it, it, it was the vikings offense that was able to you know create that space offensively they kept case keenum clean he wasn't sacked in the game and um you know aaron donald certainly got his he had his moments but uh um for the most part this this vikings offensive line led by pat elfline uh, was very much the reason why a couple of seven and two teams got together, and uh, and Elfline's Vikings got out of it eight and two. Yeah, and the other guy I want to give a little bit of love to is Samaje P. Ryan. We already talked about Alvin Kamara from this uh, Saints Redskins game, but P. Ryan twenty three carries, one hundred seventeen yards, and a touchdown. Really stepped up with an injury in the Washington backfield, and uh, they're going to need him. Joe, we talked about that in the pre-show where. Uh, Washington on offense, you know, they got to have some balance. And to see P. Ryan make the most of an opportunity against a Saints defense that's playing very good football uh, was encouraging to see as a guy that you know had some mixed reviews coming into the to his rookie season and uh, got a couple chunk plays and was really embraced the role as the grinder on the ground. So that, I mean, it was nice to see him step up and uh, 117 yards. I mean, that brings his his season total up. Uh, a good amount in comparison to where he was before. He, he now has 210 uh, yards on the season. 117 of that came this past weekend against the Saints. Kyle, not that we ever really have a, a hard script to our shows, but if I could go off script here for a second, and there's something that we have got to get into, speaking of reflecting on this weekend that was in college football, did you see what the Oregon Ducks did coming out with their – iteration of the turnover chain did you see this 
No, I did not oh, see my. this. I, I feel I like I'm going to regret you. you bringing this up, though. Kyle, you, you, it's all over Twitter. I, so find a way to search this thing. And if you you really ought to do it while we're on the air here. There's some there's some clips that you can find. But, yeah, so Oregon basically pulled off their knockoff turnover train chain that is an embarrassment to the oh no fine piece oh that no you, do you see it i do you have it up this is terrible can you believe they did you can't do it it's already been done by miami they have it patented you can't do it it's an it's an imposter and they should be shamed for this i mean that's <laughs> that's shameful that that really is shameful and it looks it's not even like the use is very Miami, right? It's very Bling. flashy, blingy. Uh, this looks like they cut out a piece of card. This looks like one of my Halloween costumes. <laughs> where you just take a piece of cardboard and spray paint it, and and there you go. This is um, bad. This is bad. Yeah, this is for you know for all the uniform swag that the Ducks have. I would expect a little bit better than this. this <laughs> well, and it's like, how do you do that? How do you? How are you going to be the team that chooses to like? replicated it's caught so much thunder for what miami's done it's kind of their trademark like you, you if you're if you're another program you, you you look at that and say damn i wish i would have thought of that but you can never do it you can never try to replicate it but no 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 oregon said no we're gonna do that and to me it's a major fail yeah i mean there's no reason why you can't come up with something to reward guys for turnovers and um just you can't do the chain. The chain is used, right? You, you cannot. No, no. This, that's stock down for the Oregon program. There, that's that's yeah. no good. Joe, let's talk a little bit about your assignment for NDT. You got a uh, good chance to head up to Blacksburg and catch Virginia Tech play Pittsburgh. Uh, curious to hear what some of your takes may be on this football game and uh, what you thought of Blacksburg in general. Yeah, man, uh, I know you got a chance to see the Clemson game, a night game up there. And uh, I was weighing my options this week. I had a couple of different uh, universities on, on the docket, and I checked with you, and I said, what do you think about Virginia Tech Pitt? And your, your response was, you got to get to Lane to see a game. And I have no regrets about that. That stadium is is yeah, is, is awesome, nice. man. It's um, it's so unique, and it's uh, you can tell that that town just – more than any town that I've been to this year so far, really just is about their Hokies. And you kind of get into that type of environment, and it just makes the game experience so much more fun. But uh, you had a chance to take in this game, came away with some scouting takeaways. And the, the one that kind of stands out above them all is this guard that Virginia Tech has, uh, Wyatt Teller. He's a senior, 6'5", 315 pounds. And, uh, you know, I had been tipped on him going into the game, so I made him a, a priority to watch. And, man, this guy's good. This is a, a really strong interior offensive line class, and Wyatt Teller really belongs in the conversation to be, you know, one of the best five or eight in this class. Um, really powerful dude, man. He was moving bodies off the line of scrimmage, but he had a ton of, and I mean a ton of success in space. They were using him a lot as a lead blocker, uh, using him to trap quite a bit. And his ability to square up guys and and move them, just root them out, putting them on their backs like continuously. Uh, it was it was a really strong performance from him. He didn't allow any pressures, and that was confirmed by PFF. Um, and uh, you just this guy is is a guard prospect that I think can work in a power scheme or or zone scheme. 
and I really like what I saw from him. And he's a senior, and he's uh, actually has a really nice career, a lot of years as a starter, and he's a guy that I'm really anxious to look at uh, deeper um, on film. Uh, the the next biggest takeaway that I had was Jermaine Edmonds is a freaking stud, man. He's Thank an awful linebacker for for the Oakies. Thank you. And, uh, I remember I watched him last year. He, Virginia Tech played a, a Thursday night or something like that. I watched it. And I was like, "Who's this dude that's like long levered and just flying all over the place?" And you know, he he caught my attention there. But then just outstanding, and I really was excited to see him live. And and I know you've been pounding this table since preseason. You did a piece actually for NDT Scouting that you know talked about him as one of the premier linebackers and I don't know if he's going to come out or not. He's a junior and his brother's on the team and he'll be back for his season next year. He plays safety for them. Uh but I think this is a first round talent all day long. Obviously he looks the part uh, but he moves. He's powerful. His ability to play forward into the line of scrimmage is pretty special. Uh his ability to work in space. He had some nice moments where he was showing off that ability to track down towards the sideline and take great angles. And obviously his tackle radius is so big. He's six foot five, two hundred and fifty pounds. In this game he had seven tackles, two and a half for loss, a sack, and two quarterback hurries. I think this guy has three down ability. And uh, and I think we could probably argue whether or not he's a Sam or a Mike, but man, I think he he should be starting for some NFL defense next year. We'll see what happens with his decision. I have other takes on this game, so make sure you check them out. Go over to ndtscouting.com and you can see my full report. But the last thing I wanted to mention here on the show regarding this game specifically was uh, Pittsburgh left tackle Brian O'Neill. He's really picking up steam for me, Kyle, and I know that. Uh, we've talked about him a lot, and I've even mentioned him early this season on the podcast as a guy that I thought was a little overrated. You know, he you started seeing some buzz around him and him being one of the you know, potential first round type offensive tackles in this class. And I watched him over the summer, and I didn't think he had a lot of power to go with his movement skills. I think that's changing for me the more that I see him. I've really been impressed with his ability to take away speed off the edge and challenge pass rushers' landmarks to really run that that outside arc. But uh, he's he's really shown me a lot more from in terms of power and his ability to square up guys and move them. And there was a couple of plays where he kind of caved in that the the. the I guess the offensive left defensive right side of the offensive line just cleared out space for Darren Hall, their running back, to to work through. And um, uh, I just have a lot more respect, I'll say this, about Brian O'Neill's power than I did going into the season. And obviously I still love his, his movement skills and, and the way that his, his feet can, uh, can redirect and slide his weight. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. And that is what we call a tease in the business, Joe. I, I like that. You want to hear my full takes on this game? Head over to ndtscouting.com. That's, that's well done. Uh, we're going to add a little bonus on your check next time. Thank uh, you. Next payday. Uh, the game that I had that I do want to talk about uh, was Wisconsin versus Michigan. My Lord, this game was boring, Joe. <laughs> this, this game did not have uh, a very 
functioning set of passing offenses, but there were a number of Badgers that stood out to me that I do want to give some love to. In addition to Mo Hurst, the defensive tackle from uh, Michigan, uh, he was consistently getting hip-to-hip with guys with his first step. Uh, so it was great to see a continuation of what we, we knew we had in Mohurst coming into the year, uh, but doing it on a more regular basis because he's, he's actually in a starting role now as compared to last year. So I thought Mohurst played a great game, did a really nice job following, pulling offensive linemen, getting hip-to-hip on down blocks and beating guys across their face fairly on, and uh, really messing up that mesh point. But I have three guys for the Badgers that I do want to talk about a little bit. Uh, one of them is uh, Troy Fumagalli, the tight end. Uh, he was very active in the passing game early in this game, made a couple of nice catches over the middle. He's kind of one of the names that gets lost in what's a really deep tight end class. We talked about this, Joe, on Friday when we did the uh, Draft Dudes mailbag, talking about uh, if the 2018 tight end class was comparable to 2017, and we said that the top talent uh, probably isn't there in comparison to last year, but the depth... A guy like Fumagalli uh, really doesn't have a lot of buzz, but this is probably a guy that can be an inline player, start from day one, be effective as a blocker, be effective as a receiver in the middle of the field and against zone coverage and, and sitting down in holes in zone and make himself available, and that's what you saw him do against Michigan. So I thought it was a nice opportunity for him to really showcase what role he can potentially have against one of the better defenses that Wisconsin has faced to this point in the season. Defensively, two guys I want to give some love to. One is Garrett Dooley. Uh, Garrett Dooley was the guy last year I was really pissed off to see any time I put on Wisconsin tape because I wanted to see T.J. Watt. And Dooley was the guy that rotated in with him uh, last year. Now as a redshirt senior, Dooley is the, one of the starting uh I guess stand-up edge defenders, rush linebackers, whatever front Wisconsin chooses to go with. He's a pretty nice football player. These Wisconsin edge guys all kind of fit the same mold. You know, there's you know Vince Beagle, T.J. Watt, now Garrett Dooley. Uh, big, thick builds, uh, really proficient with their hands. Not necessarily the most twitchy, not necessarily the most bendy or the the most dynamic at cornering. Um, And I don't think Dooley can touch T.J. Watt in that area. But when I do watch Dooley, I see a guy that sets the edge really well. He he frames blockers really well with his hands. He's got a couple counter moves to come back inside or, or to kind of pull offensive tackles off of their set. And he showed a lot of that against Michigan. I thought he played a really nice game. I know as of a couple weeks ago, he's one of the most productive rushers for this Badgers defense. The other name, TJ Edwards, a redshirt redshirt junior. He stepped into that middle linebacker role, listed at 6'1", 246. I know there's some people out there that think Edwards is the best prospect on the Badgers. And... I'm not ready to buy yet, and here's the reason why. I think Edwards, really instinctive playing forward, had a good impact in between the tackles, but I don't think he has great range, and that for me is kind of hanging me up with him. This is the second chance I've had to watch this Wisconsin defense, and he didn't strike me as being a rangy guy in either game. So now uh, he is a redshirt junior. He does have the opportunity to come back next year if he chooses to. If he does choose to declare... I'm going to have to really watch him closely and try and determine, okay, is he a Mike 
Where does he fit? Is he an odd man front guy only? That's going to be a gap plugger. Um, so I just wanted to touch on TJ Edwards a little bit because I know there's some folks that are very high on him. I'm a little apprehensive at this point. Kyle, the, the other big takeaway that I had from college football, and, and keep in mind, I, I went to Virginia Tech, pit for a 12-20 start, drove back home, and, and then watched the uh, USC-UCLA game. So I haven't been able to really catch uh, you know everything from the weekend. But I did did watch this, this game between the two uh, L.A. teams that uh, ultimately cost Mr. Jim Mora his, his job, I guess. I don't know. I'm not sure there's a guy that's done uh, less with more than Jim Mora in college football over the last uh, five years. But uh, so the, the big takeaway I have here is, is Josh Rosen. And the more that I watch these quarterbacks, you know, Rosen, Jackson, Mayfield, who I think are kind of the, the top tier of quarterbacks in this class, the more I think that scheme is going to play such a big role in determining their future roles. Like if you're going to take a quarterback in the top 10 uh, and they were all available, I think the top quarterback on 10 different teams, you know, could be any one of the players, right? I don't know that any one of them is the clear cut guy, but if you want a, a traditional pocket passer, a guy that can thread coverage, a guy that can, you can have him take a five or a seven step drop and read the defense and know where leverage and throwing windows are going to be. Uh, Josh Rosen's your guy, very solid traditional type passer, but he's got really good passing game instincts to go with it. And his ability to challenge coverage and thread it is really what I think sets him apart. He's not going to be the athlete. You know, you're going to get in a Baker Mayfield or Lamar Jackson, but you know, for for certain teams, you know, I can see them really leaning towards Josh Rosen, and, and also with the firing of, of Jim Mora, and, and I know that Mora uh, Rosen has said some really nice things about Mora throughout the years. I think this is more and more of a of a possibility now that Rosen's going to declare for this upcoming class. But uh, Josh Rosen, you know, if you're looking for that pocket passer, guy that's going to win in the traditional ways. I think he's going to be the number one guy for most teams. Yeah, he was really dialed in this past weekend. Uh, some of those deep balls that he had were just excellent. Joe, it's time for our weekly segment. We got plays of the week. And I know you just got done finishing a very nice monologue on Josh Rosen, but I'm going to ask you for your play of the week first. Give me one play stood out to you for good or bad in NFL or college football. Yeah, so the the play that really stands out, and I and I watched all the football that I watched this weekend, starting with Thursday night Steelers and and um, and Titans, and I could certainly make a case for that catch that Antonio Brown had, uh, where he he did the the helmet catch, basically uh, one of the most difficult catches you'll ever see. Uh, that one, you know, obviously really stands out. But since you limited me to one, even though I really just gave you two, uh, I want to talk about this interception by Greg Stroman, cornerback, a senior your cornerback for Virginia Tech. Uh, really impactful play. So we're talking about this situation here. It was 8-20 left in the fourth quarter. Pitt's actually winning 14-13. to And they're trying to extend their lead, you know, kind of in the middle of the fourth quarter. And they rolled out, the quarterback for Pitt rolled out to his basically had routes that are just kind of floating towards the sideline one at three different levels. So at the line of scrimmage at 10 and at 20 and um, Stroman was kind of caught in the middle of the 10 and 20 and he could, you know, kind of press down on, on the 10 or, or drift back on the 20. He, he kind of was in between. And so 
the the quarterback tried to fit it over top of him, and Strowman just did a f- phenomenal job of of seeing the ball's release and then extending his arms backwards, catching the ball, securing the interception, kind of gaining his balance and returning it for 12 yards. It set up uh, Virginia Tech's go-ahead touchdown to Cam Phillips that ultimately wind up being the game-winning touchdown for the 20-14 to win. But I thought that play, some of the ball skills that showed on that play, his fourth interception of, of the season, his ninth of his career, uh, in the juncture of the game, a really important situation where, you know, Virginia Tech, the, the difference of being, you know, seven and four and eight and three are really different in my mind. You know, he made a big play to set them up to win that game. And, and so Greg Stroman's interception there in the middle of the fourth quarter is my play of the week. I'm going to talk about an NFL game. And I'm going to talk about Yannick Ngakwe, strip sack to Sean Kaiser in the final two minutes of a 13-7 game against the Cleveland Browns. That strip sack is falled on by Telvin Smith in the end zone for the game-sealing touchdown. Now, why is this play relevant? Well, I'll tell you exactly why. Yannick is up to nine sacks on the season after logging eight sacks last year, so he's now at 17 full sacks. And in the process... He's lost his 8th and ninth strip sacks in 26 career games. Yannick, 26 games, 9 strip sacks, 17 total sacks. This guy has been an absolute home run as a rush specialist for the Jags. And uh, it's been really fun to see because I remember the first time I watched this film when you know it was announced that he was going to be coming out, I just fell in love. You know, he's... he's um, Okoronku, the same mold as what you see with Ogbanya, Obo for short. Um, and to see him put this game on ice, a six-point game with an opportunity for the Browns to go down in a two-minute offense and win the football game. Yannick coming up clutch again. He continues to be one of the most productive 4-3 rush specialists in football. I believe his pass rush productivity as far as rushes per pressure and sack is second best 4-3 defensive end in the league right now. Yannick Ngakwe, let's get the let's get the bandwagon rolling. I need to get this guy to the Pro Bowl. He absolutely deserves it on a, a defensive line that is filled with just monsters and, and penetrating guys. Um, Yannick Ngakwe is playing as well as any of them. It was great to see him really continue to to thrive and in a situation against the Browns. Won them the football game. Now, Ngakwe is an interesting case study, Kyle. I know that he's a player that you kind of instantly gravitated towards once you know once you got a chance to see his tape. But what is it about a player like him that is is so polarizing in the sense because you know sometimes they're Ngakwe and they, you know they can really turn corners and create havoc off the edge and then a lot of times they just don't translate and and so i think as a byproduct of that you see them push down you know a little bit in terms of their valuation against their value if they pan out like what is it about ngakwe specifically that you know you you believed in and you thought okay this is a guy the 250 pound pass rusher that i think can you know really make a difference yeah so for me it was lower body mobility and playing through contact were the two things that really stood out. So Yannick, uh, his motor ran really hot at Maryland. But where he really stood out was he had a plan of attack to 
hard charge up the field, and he already knew he was either going to put his face mask in between your numbers and bull you, and with his size and his uh, explosiveness, he was really able to collapse a lot of pockets that way and then parlay through a bull into shedding contact and getting to the quarterback. Or if he was from a more wide angle and he was tilted trying to pressure from a wider angled rush, uh, lower body flexion, getting the inside foot to catch when he dips the inside shoulder and tries to run the rush track around the outside and get skinny. And he was really good at that in college too, getting skinny and minimizing his surface area so that there wasn't a really big strike zone for offensive tackles to get their hands on and ride him out. You compare that to somebody like, say, Eric Stryker coming out of Oklahoma, right? Uh, Stryker was kind of same old as far as build, very productive at the college level, but Stryker didn't have that mobility about his game. And, And that's something that if you don't have that, and you cannot play with length to keep contact off. You got to play off a of contact somehow. You know, if you're not long, you've got to play small. If you're not small or you're not short, then you got to play with extension. And Ngakwe really just checked a lot of boxes for speed to power, explosiveness, lower body flexibility, leverage, motor, intensity. Like it was all wrapped into one package, and that's why I found myself really falling in love with this tape really early on. And that guy this year is like Banya Okoronkwu? Yes, I absolutely think so. I I see a lot of the same cornering, a lot of the same transition into a bowl and collapse. Um, uh, Okoronkwu actually has some more inside counters that he works with Mm -hmm. than what Yannick did. Yannick was more spin move as a counter coming off the edge. If, if if he got trapped, he would try and spin move back inside. You see Okoronkwu with short area quickness. It's not necessarily you know, an arm stab where he, he extends on you and then comes back inside. It's more his foot quickness, and that's one of the luxuries of being a shorter guy too, is your stride, stride length is not as long. So that can be detrimental rushing purely off the edge. But if you get a hard upfield step and, and a tackle... Uh, sets you wide, you know. He, in comparison to some longer guys, can really pivot back inside and get back inside of you very quickly. And you see Okoronkwo do that with some regularity at the college level. Yeah. I, I like Okoronkwo. I don't necessarily like off the ball. Happy to hear that we're, we're we both value kind of what he's doing as a hand in the dirt pass rusher, edge rusher, because um, I think that's where he's going to have to play at the next level. Kyle. Uh, we have a good show lined up for Wednesday. Uh, we're going to have National Scout Jonah Tolls on the show to talk about his top 40 that's coming out on NDT Scouting this week. So uh, be sure to, to make sure that you are checking NDTScouting.com so that you can catch his uh, his top 40. And me and Kyle are going to you know, put him through the coals on it on, on Wednesday. So make sure that you hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss it. And uh, make sure you're keeping track of everything that we're doing. The best way to do that is follow us on Twitter. Kyle is at NDT Scouting. I am at the Joe Marino. NDT Scouting has its own Twitter handle, which is at NDT Scouting LLC. We're going to sign off for now, but we'll be back again for you on Wednesday. I'm Joe Marino signing off for Kyle Krabs, and thanks for listening to the Drafts Podcast. Come together.
you've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 720 to 729, select styles only. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.